Okay. What are you guys selling? You're drowning, and I throw you a life jacket. Well, welcome back, Jackson Jacks. I'm Tamari. This is Mr. Davis on the board. SP Futures up 12. SP Futures up 27. Looks like we're going to extend our rally a little bit here to third day. Do we have Mr. Lou? Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm snow here, still in Denver, except for that one fall. But uh, it's uh, we're having lovely blue skies and and uh, you know moderate temperatures, so it's it's been a very pleasant winter so far. I uh, I, I, I listen to the um, meteor. Uh, that's a very pleasant meteorological winter. The uh, astronomical winter, of course, has just started. Um, all right, cool. What uh, we I looked at my favorite ski resort at Steamboat, and they got maybe a third of the place open. Not much snow. No. There's a big storm coming in uh, today and tomorrow that may give us some uh, give us some some snow. But no, it's the, the further east the further east you go into, into uh, Colorado, the uh, the worse it gets in terms of uh, water. But yeah, it's uh, it's an issue. Um, for those uh, well, no, nobody's going to know because I'm just going to mention it. Is the last half the, the second half hour of Lou's uh, hour this morning? We're going to have young Angelica call in and. Uh, our former producer, and I was working up at uh, Abbott Labs with her new degree, doing very well, but she's been keeping in touch with all her people over in Ukraine. And Lou, of course, is an expert on all this stuff, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on over there. But um, don't you love long, young people, uh, Lou? She says, uh, what number should I call in? And I go, Angelica, you have a producer for two years. Oh, so I give her the triple eight seventy six jack She goes, What's that? What's the real number? Evidently, her phone does not have the letters on there. <laughs> I, uh, so, David, what do you does think that, happened? Does that number? Does that number still work? Because sure. I've had I've I've called that number a couple of times, and you know, there's there's that number connects to some ancient, probably original AT and T recording from back in the 1950s. You know, the number you have reached is not in working order. Please try again. <laughs> well, we'll have to find her, and uh, if it doesn't, but do you have any idea how this? This is what this is our, our new modern world. Um, we had a PTI because we're in the same office. Obviously, we do the show, and uh, PTI had a, a service, a uh, internet service. It's all got to be very secure because obviously it's a it's a uh, brokerage firm, and our phone lines. Uh, with this group that one day got sold. <laughs> and okay, they did a yeah. nice, they did a nice job and uh turns out everybody you talked to was in India. I think they totally forgot that they even had us. Which is which is even more bizarre. Because uh, no, I'm, I'm like, sure I'm sure that's right and, and I'm also I'm also sure that uh you know at some point in the future some some computer virus is gonna hack its way into the phone system through some you know, 1946 telephone exchange that that nobody knows about. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the the old copper lines will be secure long after we're gone, Lou. But the problem is they won't they won't don't have them anymore. Anyway, so we we decide we're gonna get a new one. We're gonna go with AT and T, which is you know talk about out of the out of the jaws of what and then the jaws of something else. So they go, oh, gee, we got this huge massive Wi-Fi system. So we, you idiots. The last thing you want is a Wi-Fi system for a brokerage firm. What's the matter with I you? would think so. You know, we want everything tied down to where nobody can get into anything. 
But of course, I have a, a separate line for stacks and jacks. It has nothing to do, doesn't touch anything PTI. Right? It just goes right in the stacks and jacks. And, uh, so they, cause I don't want anybody, first of all, the, is it the Anthem system, David, that we use for the, all our commercials and all that stuff? That has been a, a system that's been around in radio forever. Software is like five grand or something. And, but it is, it, if you, if you have that anywhere near the internet, it's like a blinking light for any hacker in the world. So you, you have to have a separate spot for that thing to come into your system that can't, can't even touch the internet. And then you have to have a separate internet line to put the show out. So the, now the 800 numbers, both for stacks and jacks and for PTI are now like six weeks to change over. It is, it's a huge deal. Of course, you really don't need an 800 number anymore because people don't, pay for their phone calls anyway, or most of them don't. Uh, but you still have one, and some of the older people like calling the 800 number. And uh, th- it was it was like six weeks to change the 800 numbers, both for PTI, because we have a bunch of them in PTI, and the one that stacks and jacks. What What is so difficult about that, Lou? And yet, we this the, the modern world has gotten... So what do you think would happen if we handed... Well, uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just ask you to harken back to days of yore. When your phone was hardwired into the wall circuit. Yeah. You could not unplug it. It was it was pulled put in there on a permanent basis. You couldn't change the location. You couldn't move it around. And in some cases it was actually it was actually hardwired hardwired into a wall jack that, you know, the phone hung on the wall and that was supposed to be pretty cool if you had yeah. one of those. And you couldn't change that and you couldn't change your phone number for anything. No. Well, the one the thing he had is everybody's mom had the kitchen line with about a thirty foot cord, so she could like work. Oh no, I did. I had one telephone in my house in in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, and your phone number was a word with really? some numbers after it. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember that. It was a because I was just going to say, what do you think if we gave Angelique a rotary phone with and our number was a. What, garden three, we were garden, right, David? Because David lived on the block. Yeah, we were garden GA two. Yeah, we were garden. We were garden three across the street. Garden three oh one. I still remember all the old numbers. I don't remember anybody's new number because it's all my. Do you phone. remember? Do you remember your first the, the first phone number you can remember from your old house? Yeah, well, well, actually, my aunt where we lived when I was a kid was a Boulevard eight something something two one. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, mine was Grover five oh six oh four. That's a number in Winnipeg, by the way. G R and I, I don't know why I just thought of that, but I pulled that number out of nowhere. But I remember that I remember that phone, and um, yeah, if you want to, there's a video of parents handing their children a rotary phone, and it, I I don't even know if this is possible anymore. If you could still plug a rotary phone in and it would work, I don't think but, so. But this, at the point they made this YouTube video, like five or six years ago, they had a jack with a rotary phone on it, and they pulled the rotary phone out and put it in front of their two teenagers and said. We'll give you twenty bucks if you can call one of our cell phones off of this, and it is—it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. Well, the the the, <laughs> the rotary phones now the 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 uh, what do they call them the uh, vintage or whatever the the number is a button. I know. Yeah, yeah. This was an actual dial, and and it took them. They kept punching at the holes in the in the uh, rotary disc, the <laughs> dialing disc, to try to get it to work. It took them, first of all, it took them, it took them like 25 or 30 seconds to figure out that you had to pick the thing up to activate it. Well, did you see, uh, I get this, uh, 
I mean, I have a lot of people probably do. They got the receiver. I mean, to get, activate it. Get the stuff. The from, handset. You ever get the stuff from Core Digest or Core or whatever the thing is? It comes on the internet. Essentially, is this huge website where people ask questions, a lot, and then there's all kinds of different sections. I mean, I love the part about the uh, armed services where they talk about, you know, what do you do in an aircraft carrier when you're off duty? I mean, I love, I find all that stuff pretty interesting. Guys who were on aircraft carrier, but one of the ones, some some lady, some guy writes in, he goes, uh. Is there ever been such a thing as a car that you can't steal? And this lady writes back, she's like this, I mean, she's this older lady, and she goes, I have a car that you can't steal. I have a, a Mercedes 190 SL that they made from whatever, 54 to 65, I don't know, something. Uh, it was a two, one of the little roadsters. And the guy writes back, what do you mean you can't steal it? Well, there's, there's eight knobs on the, on the dashboard. They're not labeled. None of them are labeled. And there's a cold choke. If you don't know which one that, that is, you can't start it. I mean, basically. You think anybody have any idea what a choke is now? But you know what I hear? No. There was, was one on there. Or something, this thing had a hot choke. I never heard of a hot choke. Did you? No. What What would be a hot choke? Evidently, you got to pull it out, and it gives you a, a little bit of choke if it's hot or something. I mean, it must not, must not do all the way as a cold choke. I don't even know what it is. But for those that don't know, uh, if you have a carburetor, which you, you have, a, you have the butterfly. You don't have any more either. Which you don't have any more, but the butterfly is open. And what you need to do in order to, to get it to start in the morning, you have to, you have to. The butterfly is the butterfly valve. Right. For the, for the listeners. So when you pull the choke, it, it closes the butterfly valve. So when you start it when it's cold, if you ever have a, if you have a lawnmower or something, I'm sure you still got a choke on a lawnmower, right? But I don't know. Uh, yes, I, my snowblower does. And she goes, she goes, Literally, every parking attendant says, no, no, I can start anything, and she has to end up going to, they have to bring her to the car to start it. She, no, nobody can start it. First, you don't know, even if you knew there was such a thing as a choke, you wouldn't know which one it was, because none of them are labeled. <laughs> there's the lights, the windshield wipers, the hot choke culture, and they showed a picture of the dashboard. Lou, there's not, a, there's not a label on there. I thought it was kind of neat. engineering. I, 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 th- I thought it was kind of neat. Um, tell us I can ask you. Oh, hey, uh, in regards to this bowl game, I was talking, I was thinking about you last night. We're, we're kicking around with my, well, I meet on Wednesday night with my judges and old attorney guys. And it's, what which are, which bowl game? The bowl game that the uh, Texas A and M now is, is is not showing up for the Gator Bowl. Okay. So the idea, I, 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 I'm not surprised. I don't know which bowl game it is, but I'm it's not the surprised. Gator Bowl. It's the old Gator Bowl. And so it's, uh, it's, okay. it's, it would be New Year's. It's New Year's Eve, right, David? Or uh, I think I'll so. double check that. But it's uh, so they're not showing up. So they're going out to essentially they're they're playing uh, um. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. It's the yeah. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Tax oh, Slayer. yeah. Okay. The Tax Slayer Bowl. Got it. The Tax Slayer is what? Is that like a tax software system or something? must be. Yeah, I think so. So they, uh, anyway, so they're looking for another team. So my question, I, as soon as I heard this, I'm going, I got I to gotta ask Lou in the morning, if, if you have not practiced, because Illinois was one of the teams, and a couple of guys that were with last night, like had gone to Illinois, and they were all kind of fired up. And I said, well, how, how the hell do you, these kids got to be home already? They haven't practiced since, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend. How do you, how do you gather them all back? Uh, first of all, can you pay to fly them back? Or do you just meet, can you just meet a week before down in Florida, which maybe you would anywhere, a few days, and is a couple of days practice good enough? And what if 10 guys say they're not coming? What, what are the logistics of that, Lou? Well, the logistics would be, would be, a nightmarish, but they they would be fairly simple, I think, compared to the medical issue. I mean, these kids 
I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had, even if you could get 40, 50 kids to, to show back up, and I think you could. I, I don't think it would be any problem getting them to show. But if you get 40 to 50 kids to show back up, um, and they're probably still in reasonable shape, although maybe not, maybe not as good shape as they would be if they'd been practicing. But if you can get them to show up, how do you know that they're not, they're not all, you know, contaminated? I mean, this, this zero COVID, well, don't get me started on it. You know my feelings. This zero COVID thing is stupid and, and counterintuitive. And, and this is, you saw how the NFL dealt with it. You know, they said, you know what? We're not as concerned about player safety as we thought we were. (laughs) There's, there's, at some point, somebody at the NFL front office said, you know, this, this virtue signaling that we're doing is going to cost us money. So let's stop. You know, we're, we're not going to worry about whether, whether people actually have the disease. We're going to worry about whether they're symptomatic, which should have been the, the push in the first place. Well, I, I agree. Plus this, uh... but, 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 so, I mean, but there's nothing, <clears throat> this is what's so dumb about this. There's nothing to say that the, the 40 kids from Illinois who show up, Aren't going to get, aren't going to develop, uh, or test positive for the, for the disease, either right as they show up or at some point during that week. And then what do you do? You know, it, it, it's, it's, this is a totally stupid process that nobody is really thinking about, I don't think, except in the context of, oh my God, we can't have anybody show positive. For a test, either with a test, even if they're totally asymptomatic. Well, that's right. And it, but we, we, when the thing first started, everybody was really obviously the first way through. I think it was, you know, the jury's still out on this one. But as as it as it is moving forward, it appears that it's it's much lighter on people. Lou, do you believe that this thing was? Uh, and everybody thinks I, I I poo-poo this disease. I never have. I absolutely never have. I had more respect for this disease. Kind of than most. As soon as I read two years ago that it was a thousand times more contagious than SARS, and a lot of people didn't know they had it, I knew we had a problem. <laughs> I mean, most diseases, as soon as you get it, they don't have to tell you to go home. You go home because you're sick. Right? I got I got worried. I got worried about the disease initially, and I stayed worried for about two months. And then I said, okay, we now have enough data to get a feel for what it's doing and how it's doing it, and we also know how much damage we're doing with the lockdowns, masks, etc. I don't think people yeah. to this day realize how much damage they're doing. More and almost, once, and once we had, <clears throat> once we knew that the vaccine did not stop transmission, I had a pretty good handle, and oh, by the way, has never been licensed here, I had a pretty good handle on, on the mandate issue, yeah. which I think is a terrible mistake. And, and again, based on just crappy scientific analysis and, and a, a, a terrible thought process, an illogical thought process. Well, what do you think of the of uh, Illinois? They're demanding you can't bring five year olds anywhere unless they're vaccinated. I, I I can't. I absolutely have no understanding as to why any state would be mandating vaccinating children or anybody under the age of you know thirty, forty. Make that forty. And, and especially given now that we've, we've, we're at the same stage of licensing approval for the new drug that, that Pfizer has just manufactured. It's approved yesterday. As we are for the vaccine. I thought it was approved yesterday. 
That's right. Well, no, it was it was given emergency use authorization. Okay. It wasn't licensed. Okay. And remember, the vaccine that were all the vaccines we're using here are not licensed. Right. If they were, you'd be seeing a plaintiff's lawsuit heaven going right now. Well, what? Uh, change the subject a little bit. What? Um, the stuff that you know Carl's been coming up with, and just the anecdotal things that I. Uh, I was talking to uh, well, Dave knows what I'm talking about. Uh, my nephew, his his, uh, um, well, his nephew too, Matt. Uh, the uh, Bernadette was saying that the the discipline problems, how, how kids have forgotten to interact with each other after being home for like a year and a half. Oh yeah. Is that, in your opinion, Lou? First of all, should we have anticipated a lot of this stuff? The I mean, the thing that's scariest about the whole thing to me is. Uh, what Carl has been talking about last year, even though we, we know it buried old people, literally, uh, early on, by the end of the year, the expected deaths, kind of at every age group in 2020, um, maybe the exception of the older people, was pretty much spot on in terms of, uh, you know, actuarial ex- expected deaths versus others. And in, yeah, the excess, the excess mortality numbers. Um, but 2021, yeah. he says, are, are way above. So more more people this year have died from seemingly, I guess, COVID probably a little bit of it, but but a lot of it is, I mean, uh, fentanyl overdoses, uh, suicides. Let, let, me, let, let me just give you a little uh, my my synopsis on this. By May of 2020, three months into this thing, we knew based on our experience with economic depressions and economic disasters. And, and what that, and, and what was happening in our health, healthcare facilities, we knew that the lockdown procedures we were engaging in in most states were killing or causing the loss of more life hours than COVID. And by that I mean it was killing younger people at a, at a younger age and that people who had more life in front of them than, than COVID was. COVID was killing primarily older people. In many cases, the average in many states, the average age of, of death for a, a COVID uh, patient, and again, those numbers are unreliable, as you as you and I have discussed. But but the data that we had indicated in many cases that the average age of death was in excess of the average age or the expected uh, life uh, lifespan of of individuals. So whatever it was doing, it wasn't making that big of a dent. In our, in our excess mortality numbers. We also knew that we were going to, we were killing a sub- substantial number of young people via overdose, alcoholism, suicides. The suicide rate jumped, uh, and delayed, just, this is just a, a, a the, mo- the big ones, and delayed cancer and delayed medical treatments. So we knew that by the end of May 2020. Public health policy people like, like, uh, what's his face? Scott Atlas out of Stanford, we're, we're sounding the alarm on this stuff. So we knew that. We also knew <clears throat> that our masking efforts were totally ineffective because of the way we were wearing masks. Maybe if we were all using properly fitted N95 masks, the the situation would have been that masking would have, would have worked, but we knew that masking wasn't working. More importantly, our public health establishment in the form of, of uh, a couple of well, 1,200 or 1,300 people, senior people, was telling everybody, look, 
this this disease is is dangerous, but it's not so dangerous that you can't go out and riot uh, on behalf of George Floyd or or whomever the celeb was of of the week. You remember that? Oh yeah. You remember that that letter coming out where they said, "Yeah, we're, you shouldn't worry about this as long as you're doing a proper social justice thing." Then, then you don't have to. You don't have to be masked in a crowd. Well, then the, the airlines um, come out and say it's okay to sit next to somebody. Well, well, th- that's right. And and so all of these, all of this stuff, just pushed the idea that ninety nine percent of what we were doing in the public health arena was kabuki theater to simply tell show people, look, we're doing something, and that idiocy has continued. In fact, our our government leadership has doubled down on that stupidity and and now it has now been in, in you know uh, enshrined by the president with his his idiotic mandates for OSHA through OSHA and through uh, the Medicare system and and through places like Washington DC that is now requiring a booster shot for you to be fully vaccinated <clears throat> all of this ha- has just turned into this political theater. Well, you know, it's interesting. Let's, it, let's change just a hair. I mean, I, I'm on the same plane as you. If you talk to people that have been working from home versus uh, people that have been at work, talk about a different world. But the uh, several things seem to have come to mind. I mean, maybe it's a it's it's a young people thing versus old people. I don't know. Uh, but it, I t- talked to a guy yesterday. I've known him forever. He's been working at home, you know, whatever, year and a half now. It, it, it's it's outstanding that these when I say these people it sounds terrible but these people they feel they get the right to tell you or their boss they're working from home just as efficiently because they they think it's their right to define their own job now I'm not talking about you know Matty Weber uh, works totally in sales he talks to the same people at home he would I mean, he either makes his numbers or he doesn't I don't think he has any interaction really with people at work other than you know. Talking about sports at the water cooler. Now, Audrey obviously has her her her, uh, her home source realty, and she works basically her fanning off at home, and 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 she puts in a twelve hour day. There's really no reason for her to drive anywhere, but there's nobody at home except her and her dog, so she's not bothered. It's all business all day long. I, I get it, but the other idea that no, I, I I'm from home. I do my stuff, and you know, by the way, if I if I'm on the trainer. I said, but you know, I said, but it's not about that. I mean, if if you're working, I know I'm I'm old school a little, but if if you're working for me, obviously we have orders to put in, we have clients, everything else. But every once in a while, there's something I need done, and I want you here to do it. <laughs> How old school is that? I mean, the idea that there could be a special project or or something along those lines. I've always been in, in jobs where I had my stuff to do, but I don't know people thought I had some talent. And they'd always give me the, the boss would walk up to my desk and he'd say, "Here, I need this re- report done by next week. You know, stop your other crap and do this." Well, you shouldn't have to track me down for that. I mean, I, you know, I, and I get that phones work, you know, to your house and so forth. But the idea is, you, you're kind of there to do whatever needs to be done in a lot of places. I mean, well, I, I've been on I've been on five Zoom calls with clients in the last two weeks where. At least one of the participants has had to drop off to deal with a child issue. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, or, or is, has got something else happening in their house or, or wherever that causes them to have to interrupt the call, but usually it's kids. Well, but also so, every one of those, 
every one of those people, if if there if there's a kid that uh, is in the hospital at age five in North Dakota, they know about it. You know, instead of you're, you're in my attitude because I've been to work every day is uh, if you're sick, stay home. If not, let's get over it. Type of thing. Chief, this has become this has become a religion. Yeah, and and it's very it, it's a it's a religion based on class. Yep. If you're if you're a working class, have to go in, punch the time clock, get in the cab of your truck, do whatever you got to do to make deliveries, to stock the shelves, to to pump the gas, to fix the cars whatever your assessment of this virus and the program around it is completely different than the suburban mom who who you know watches cnn all day or has it on in the background all day reads the new york times and the washington post voraciously and and who fervently fervently believes that the way to deal with this is to mask up Force everybody to get as much medicine injected into them as possible, and and rely on Anthony Fauci for advice. Yeah, it's a and 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 you are not going to shake if you come to that person because I've had these discussions. If you come to that person and tell them your mask that you're wearing, that cloth mask that you've got on, is useless, and in fact, it's probably making you sicker because it's trapping stuff. Well, we got we got a dash to break track. here. We got a dash to break, but I, I agree with you 100%. When Audrey and I was a place down south, I won't say the name. They never closed. They just they just kind of turned the lights out in the parking lot. <laughs> so, yeah. But it started as a speakeasy. It kind of still was. David knows what I'm talking about. So Audrey and I go there for dinner, and they move the tables a little bit further apart. And everybody's in there like without a mask, and we're, I start talking to people, and it was it was exactly the same thing. I'm a I'm a I'm a garbage truck driver. I'm a delivery guy. I own a, I own a I own a firm that does something. I said I've worked every day. Don't tell me I can do all this stuff all day long and, and do your services for you, but I can't go out to dinner. Well, well, or, or or that you think that the virus understands that when you sit down at the table and take your mask off, that you're not going to affect anybody. Right? That's, Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Well, Lou, we come back. We should have Angelica calling in if she can negotiate the phone. And let's talk <laughs> about. Uh, What's going on over? Because I know she she keeps good touching people over there, and everybody hears about you know the Russians amassing on the border. So let's I'm gonna I promise to uh, it's hard for me I'm gonna promise to shut up because you guys know way more. So let's figure out what the hell's going on over there, and is is it a danger here and something we should be worried about? SP Futures up twelve, Nasdaq Futures up twenty nine. Be right back, Stocks and Jack. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow. Mr. Uh, Dave Scatine on the board. SP Futures up 13. NASDAQ Futures up 32. We have not had a downtick since, I'm going to say, Monday noon. Um, it's been three pretty good days for uh, us. I wonder how long it's going to last because uh, three days is kind of it's kind of a lot in a row. Santa Claus rally. Yeah, it's something, something. So, uh, but it's definitely been. We were up. Uh, I don't even know what the low was. Um, we got to be up 160 spook points since the low on Monday. It's a lot. Dow was up 117. Dow Futures. For Europe, we got the DAX up 99.6%. These guys were all pretty flat yesterday, but they're moving up today. FTSE up 12.6%. Per, uh, CAC around up 24.35%. In Asia, we got the Nikkei up 236. That's 0.8%. Shanghai up 20. That's 0.6%. And we got the Hang Seng up 91.4%. Uh, the uh, JD shares, whatever the JD is, in Hong Kong dive after 10 cents says it will reduce stake. One of the things we probably want to mention when uh, the Engineers comes on a little later is uh, is Evergrande and this other place both have gone under. <laughs> the, the, remember, David, how we worried we were that they might not, they might miss a payment. Now they're under. Nobody cares. Uh, just as a way of review, yesterday Dow was up two sixty one. Two days in a row, no big update. S&P up another forty seven after being up eighty the day before. That's one hundred and twenty something plus the forty that came back on Monday. So that's uh, like I said, one hundred and sixty points since noon on Monday. That's that's unreal. A NASDAQ up 180, 1.2. Again, this was yesterday. Uh, bonds. The uh, 10-year up another two basis points to 1.47. The bond up another three basis points to minus 0.25. Could they actually be making a run at zero? I don't know. Boy, 
the uh, inflation rate over there, the negative interest rate's got to be pushing 10%. That's, that's startling. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.07. We've got oil up another 16 cents, 72.92. They were in the 67s like last Wednesday, so it's a big run up in oil here. Ran up 20 cents, 75.49. Natural gas down 16 cents, 380 in one of the most amazing years I've ever seen. Well, probably the most amazing years ever. Natural gas from six to under four, probably two times, two to three times. Our Bob up two cents, two nineteen. We've got gold up two sixty to eighteen oh four, trying to establish a beachhead and stay above eighteen oh four for the first time in a while. Silver down two cents, twenty two seventy nine. Copper down three cents, four thirty six. And we have Bitcoin down three ninety six to forty eight thousand six oh five. It's been kind of stuck here for a while. It's uh, down from the sixty three thousand it went a few weeks ago, and it's been real steady. Uh, not much volatility in Bitcoin. David, we got for us traffic, weather, sports. Not much traffic, not much sports. Uh, actually, we got quite a few sports, believe it or not. Good morning, 637 in Chicago. Uh, it's 34, currently it's 34 and cloudy. We're going to have a high of 44 degrees with clouds. For our Phoenix listeners, to start out the day at 58 with some unusual light rain, but they're going to hit 75 with some sun peeking out. Traffic, the earlier accidents are all cleared up. Um, as Tom said, actually we, traffic is pretty light right now. Which is a good thing. In sports, um, in the NFL, the 49ers play the Titans tonight. Bears at Seattle Sunday. Cardinals take on the Colts Saturday night. In the NBA, the, goals, the Bulls game was postponed last night, and their next game supposedly is on Sunday. And the Suns are at home against the Thunder. NCAA football. Army beats Navy. Army, I'm sorry. Army beats Missouri. 24-22 in the Armed Forces Bowl. There's two, there's, uh, two bowl games tonight. Miami plays North Texas and Florida plays, uh, UCF. NCAA basketball. Notre Dame beats Texas A&M CC. 83-73. Illinois beats Missouri. 88-63. DePa- DePaul forfeits to Seton Hall due to COVID. And the, and the NHL is postponed until Sunday. Back to you, Chief. Evidently, they're, uh, the Big East is having the big powwow saying, do they really, just because your team tests positive, is that cause for, for the idea, well, Lewis saying before the break, that your, your lack of attention, of paying attention to the politicians is the reason why you get sick. That, this, that is the most, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where the, if we, we extend that one out, what that means. It's, it's like my, uh, you remember my aunt David from way back in the day. She was Lou. She was one of these that you're always supposed to like be wearing a sweater in the wintertime, or else you're going to catch cold. So finally, one day, which when she was old, I read this thing. It said, if you gave somebody cold germs, just injected them into their body, and you kept one person warm and dry for a day and a half, and the other person kind of cold and wet, it made do- no difference. You still got the cold. I didn't have a, I didn't have the heart to give it. I didn't have the heart to give it to her. I didn't want to ruin. You know, 25 years or 30 years of you got to wear a sweater type of thing, but this is the same school of thought that don't go in the don't go swimming for an hour after you eat. Yeah. Otherwise, and it was it was and it was a hard it was a hard time. Oh yeah. You know, the hard set time. If you put your toe into the water 59 minutes after you'd had a peanut butter sandwich, you went into an instant full body cramp. <laughs> And, and you were going to drown. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's 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 classic. Anyway, is Angelica? Uh, David, are you going to try and track her down? Working on it. All right, we'll, we'll get her. Yeah. We'll get her in a so second. Let me let me lay a little groundwork here. So Vladimir Putin just finished, I believe, one of his marathon or his annual marathon press conference uh, on uh, Russian television, 
and I've been following it in preparation for our little discussion this morning. And uh, I can give you a little a little summary of what he said. Um, he's you know his his <clears throat> a lot of us a lot of the discussions were on COVID and what was going on with the Russian uh, the Russian economy and and all that. And uh, he talked a little bit about the central bank and how well they're doing on uh, on inflation because the Russian central bank is very hawkish. They, they they raise interest rates at the drop of a hat because they don't have to answer to anybody. Um, Except, uh, except Mr. Putin. Talk a little bit about gas bomb and, uh, gas reserv- uh, reservoirs in, uh, in, uh, Western Europe and claimed, I think, falsely that Gazprom was fulfilling all its contracts and doing everything that it could to, to supply gas to Europe. In fact, it's been quite slow in getting uh, gas to certain European countries because Putin's not stupid. He, he knows how to send a message. And uh, as he as he engages in this massive military buildup in uh, Western Russia on the border with Ukraine, uh, he's sending a very clear message to Europe, saying, "You know, I can turn this spigot off." And and why on earth the Biden people okayed ga- the uh, Gazprom pipeline in in Europe and and withdrew their objections to it, so that our European allies would become dependent on cheap Russian natural gas. I don't know. Um, I always thought that Hunter Hunter had a deal there somewhere that the Gazprom people bought three or four of Hunter's paintings, and you know, ten percent of that money makes its its way back to the big guy, and uh, and, and that that was the justification for the uh, for the, for the for change on our on our strategy there. But that's a that's a major shift, and it emboldens obviously emboldens Russia with respect to Europe, and. Uh, you know, we, we have a uh, back up a sketch sec- out there. Back up a second. We had it, the we we I mean the U.S. I mean I, I, don't, I can't begin to give you a number, but when you start when he starts talking about massing troops and those, does, does, does they still have this huge? Or how, let's put it, <laughs> how big is their standing army that they can? I mean, we we couldn't do that, could we? Without having to conscript guys or have a you know, I mean, how, how many people could we put in the field tomorrow if we needed to? Well, they've got enough. They got enough people to put a couple hundred thousand troops on the on the border. Well, they, they, they can do that, and they could. They've got. They, they're transporting them by rail. They've had months for the buildup, and uh, they've got they've got equipment that they can move forward to uh, to, to conduct the kind of long range strikes. Now, would it? Do they have enough for sustained conflict with a peer adversary? Probably not. But they could make it very expensive for somebody who wanted to come in and, and oppose them if they decided to go into Ukraine. Well, I've, I've uh, been doing a lot of reading on uh, uh, George Marshall, who was a, his, he was a logistics genius. When you, if we decided to move hundred thousand troops, if we had them to the to the border in Texas, and just leave them there for six months a year while we were screwing around deciding whether we we're going to invade Mexico or not, I'm not saying we should. I mean, this is all fiction. Um, what does it take to keep a hundred thousand people, food, house, trains, bathrooms, dinner, uh, ammunition for for? Well, I was going to say working out for for doing your training. How, how do you even how do you even do that? You need like a small city or, or, or cities. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I know people have done it. We've done it before, but it's not easy, is it? It, it depends. It depends whether you're moving people by land or by sea or by air. If you have to do the whole thing by airlift, which is 
essentially what we did in the Middle East. It's expensive, but we have the capability to do it. We're the only country in the world right now that has that capability. Although you know, we're seeing we're seeing uh, Chinese airlift start to you know get close. They're starting to I say get close. It's increasing rapidly in terms of their ability to deploy to deploy people. Um, but we yeah we could we could move that in there. And if you're moving by land, which is how the Russians are moving, then it's a lot it's a lot simpler. You throw the stuff on rail cars and your tanks and heavy equipment that you that you don't have to airlift anymore. And you could, you know, you can move, you know, 10,000, a motorized rifle uh, brigade or a motorized rifle division into into that area with 10,000 troops and, and all of their equipment. You can get them in there probably in, a, you know, a matter of a week. But it's but it, it does require something to keep them in the field. And so, you know, from Putin's perspective, and, and what, he, what he said this morning, I think is, or this afternoon over there, uh, is is noteworthy, you know. There, this is. They believe, and I think they believe this because Joe Biden is the president. They believe, and the people around him are are who they are. They believe that they can credibly. The Russians believe they can credibly threaten uh, Ukraine, and and maybe get some more concessions, and maybe take some more territory, um, with with relatively minor cost. And, and that's what they're doing right now, because they think that they can isolate Ukraine politically and economically. They think that they can, they can threaten Europe credibly with a shutdown of gas, so that, that it becomes a very cold winter in Western Europe. They understand that, that if, if you can't heat your house or it costs you, you know, ten times what it cost you last year to heat your home, that at some point you're going to look around as your children are shivering, and uh, your, your supplies of, of basic food and food stock, stock start to disappear because the transportation network is breaking down. They understand that they're mind the democracies. People look over and say, you know, we really don't care about Ukraine. I care about keeping my house warm. Well, yeah. Louis, when you, when you talk, I, mean, I don't want to get into a major political discussion on this, but when you talk about... You, you well, already are in one. I know, but I'm, I understand that. <laughs> but, but I'm saying when you, when you, when you say to... Uh, to a to like a Joe Biden, uh, okay. He, but what is? I mean, say say it was Trump. You know, the the big the big bazoo of the world. Uh, say it was say it was you know some strong some strong. Uh, I'll use the term strong Republican. Uh, what 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 can you? Or even a strong Democrat. I mean, what what can you? But we're not going to go to war with them. So what 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 is the extent of your? How do you know that? Well, I mean, I, I don't think let's put it this way. Tomorrow, if you told all the people under the age of forty in this country we're going to war, suit up. I would say uh, they're not uh, they're, they're not about to do that. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying it would be a, you'd need to institute a draft. We could find ourselves if, if depending on depending on the calculations, the the Russians. Let's say the Russians decide they're going to take the Donbass. They've already got it, but they're going to they're going to expand and they're going to take all of Crimea. They're going to connect. They're, they're going to connect the the land bridge that they've got, or that they, they're looking at, uh, to get the uh, Sevastopol, and they're going to they're going to invade there. And then they decide. The Russians decide. You know, we're not just going to we're not just going to take this this and, and occupy this territory that we're, we're, we've already effectively occupied. We're going to push all the way to Kiev, 
because we don't like the fact that the Ukraine or that Ukraine has has now asserted independence and is is making things difficult for Russian speaking citizens. So now they decide they're going to take Kiev. The Poles, who who are quite nervous about all of this, with good reason, and the Lithuanians, and the Lithuanians, and the Estonians, and the Latvians, decide. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna fortify ourselves here. They watch the Russian advance; it's very fast, and they start they start getting trigger happy. And then and then the Germans, who who are watching this carefully. Watch the Russians turn the gas off, and and they said, "All right, fine. We're going to send a message to Russia that this expansion has to stop because it doesn't look like it's stopping." So they decide they're going to take Kaliningrad. So the Kaliningrad is a is a Russian occupied piece of Germany that sits in the Baltic, and that the Soviets took as part of the Soviet Union when they when they conquered Eastern Europe. And they kept it as part of Russia. Is this uh, is, a, is this is this East Prussia, or is this even further over? Oh, it's on the it's on the Baltic in East Germany. Okay, I thought Prussia was on the Baltic. Is that? I don't really have a good picture of exactly where the Prussian state ended, but in any event, it it the, the Germans decide they're going to isolate that to send a message to the Russians. At which point, the Russians say, "You know what? Now, now." This is an act of aggression against us, and we're going to push our motorized rifle people. Now we're going to go after the Baltics. Okay, but I just I have sort of a kind of a general. I mean, I mean you can see this understand. kind of calculation going because from Putin's perspective, once I've crossed the once I've crossed the fire break and started using my armed forces, I might as well go until somebody stops me. I mean, I, I guess what I'm, where I'm going with this, Lou, is I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think I've read as much as you, but I've read as much as I could have about. World War II and how Roosevelt, you know, waited and waited till national opinion was on his side, which happened at Pearl Harbor, but was sort of getting there anyway, uh, in some, at least in some areas. But I mean, I listened to, uh, Face the Nation a couple of weeks ago and I had Ted Cruz on there and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's reaming Biden a new one about, about how weak he is with China and this and that and he should be doing this and the China's got, they're messing around with Taiwan and they're doing it. And I'm sitting there going, okay, it, it, I, I agree with everything the man says except what exactly are we supposed to do about it right now? I mean, I, I get the economic stuff we can do, but as soon as we do that, anybody in this country who has to pay an extra ten dollars for the blue jeans is pissed off. I mean, it, it's it's not an easy situation, Lou, by any means. No, moment. no, it's it it never it never is, and that's that's why you have Xi and Putin trying to take advantage of it because they sense they sense a will, an unwillingness on the part of this administration to do anything. But, but what I'm saying, well, okay, what would be and send some equipment? All right, so that, but, there's, but now, um, are we the Ukraine? Since they used to have used to be part of Russia, and I believe some of the best Russian units came from there. They were part of the Soviet Union. Yes. Now, but do they still have any kind of an army that can? Are they looking for equipment? Are they looking for help? Do they have people? They're, they're looking. They're looking for everything. But what they, the way this thing would escalate, is if is if Poland. Or Germany looks around and says, "I don't like the way this is rolling." They go on alert, and let's say the Poles, who, who have lots of historical good reasons to fear the, the Russians, let's say the Poles have, you know, their surface-to-air missile systems that we've given them, and they shoot down a couple of Russian airplanes. They get too close to the border, you know, and and now and now the, the Russians now have a. a uh, 
causes Belli to go to war, and and they and they want to push. They've got they've got some modern equipment. They've got they've got some antiquated equipment, but they've got a lot of it, and they want to push forward. And they bomb a couple of places in Poland. You know what that does? That triggers what is it? Article five of the yeah, NATO treaty. Yeah. And well, so I mean, yeah, now we have an attack on a NATO ally. These guys, which, they, according to the treaty, is an attack on us. These guys actually think that, the, that in the end they would benefit from all this, the Russians. Yes, they do. This is a this is a, a there's a very calculating process at work here, just like the Chinese feel that they they well the Chinese they, have a have a well, they're almost like a a manifest destiny. They're almost like we were 200 years ago. You don't think the Russians feel the same way? I, uh, I, I don't, that's, no, that's historically that's, the Russians see themselves as the as the spiritual saviors of Europe. Um, to be perfectly blunt, that's why I have you here talking to you about it because. I don't really have that much of a feel for those guys, and I know you do. I mean, uh, I don't. The, uh, I mean, are the but the Ukrainians are fairly. It's hard for me to tell, Lou, historically, how national the Ukrainians are against Russia versus they were part of the thing for a while. I can't. I can't get a sense of, of how, what the emotions are. I mean, I know with uh, Angelica, the Ukrainians don't want to be any part of Russia. I mean, her group doesn't for sure. Well, well, let uh, me let me give you this example then. Within living memory, the the Russians in the form of the Soviet Union engineered not one but two massive famines that were basically genocidal in nature in Ukraine. They engineered the first; it's called the Holodomor, uh, following the nationalization of the farms in the in the early 1930s. And an estimated three to four million people starved to death in Ukraine is a direct result of Soviet slash Russian internal policy. The second famine, according to Khrushchev and a number of other people, was engineered after the Second World War by Joseph Stalin because the Ukrainians had actually welcomed the, the Germans when they invaded in in uh, 1941 because. Things were so terrible under under Stalin and the Soviets that the Nazis actually looked pretty good, and and so the Ukrainians have not just one but two massive genocidal actions set up by Russians and engineered by Russians against their people. Right. So there's a reason why Angelika doesn't like them. Oh yeah, there's lots of good reasons why why the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians. Are, are not, um, I, I mean, but other, other than wanting to be, you know, the, the, the bigger fish in the bigger pool. There's a religious element there too. Well, but I mean, the, the Ukrainians see themselves as sort of the keepers of the original Eastern Orthodox faith after the fall of Constantinople. Right. So, but but what I mean, I I understand these people are driven more like ego, and it's hard for them to be, for any kind of logic that I would throw in there, but. If this is a 10-year, Ukraine fights back, you screw around with, with we started putting money in them and the uh, Europeans say, and it's this kind of brutal thing for the next five years, and even if the Russians end up kind of winning, uh, how, how is it a net plus for you 10 years from now? I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how you can think like that. I mean, the Russians, if you listen to Putin this morning, and, and I, I caught part of the press conference, uh, my Russian is pretty rusty, but I, I picked up some of this stuff with the help of translations. 
of Google Translate, if you look at what Putin was saying today, this is all driven, or much of this is driven, by the what, what the Russians see as the abrogation of a of a treaty or a memo of understanding that was put in existence when the Soviet Union broke up in 1991 and reaffirmed, I think, in 1994, Treaty of Minsk or the Minsk Agreement, where NATO told the Russians, "We are not interested in expanding eastward past, you know, Poland and uh, Romania and uh, Hungary. We, we don't care." We're not going to go any further east. You can maintain your buffer in the form of, you know, these neutral, quasi-independent states, Ukraine, the, the Baltics, etc. And, and the Russians look at that as a, thought of that as a, as a security agreement and, and have watched as, as we've promptly started negotiating with Ukraine, you know, 10 years after that. To come into to come into NATO, if that's what the Ukrainians wanted, and the Russians can't can't handle that and won't. If Ukraine goes to NATO, the the Russians believe that NATO is a fundamentally hostile organization aimed at destroying Russia and its and its rightful influence in the world. And so that's why you saw the Russians go into the Middle East to try to act as as peace brokers. That's why they sailed that smoking hulk of a carrier. Out of the out of the Baltic and across the North Sea to go into the Mediterranean to show we can project power. See, and we're doing it. Well, I wouldn't want to be working on that thing below the waterline. What's the life expectancy of that? Well, I mean, it, but it's not. That's not the point. The point is that they they had an aircraft carrier doing operations in the Eastern Med, and they could look at look at that and say, "See, we're just like the Americans or the French or the Brits. We can operate carriers because a superpower." Has carriers and can project power through through naval force, and 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 that's very very important to Putin because that's a huge factor in his in his popularity with the Russian people. He's a strong man. He doesn't allow Russia to be humiliated. He doesn't allow the Russians to feel like they've been shunted aside on the on the international stage, the way they felt throughout the 1990s. What is this? Is, uh... this is one of Putin's huge selling points. We've only got a minute and a half left. What, what is the uh, the succession over there? I mean, he it's not like he's a hundred years old, but I don't see him playing hockey and scoring thirty goals anymore either. What the is? What, 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 how old is that guy? I mean, what, what, is there anybody after him? I think he's approaching. I think he's approaching his uh, his late fifties. No, there's well, there's but there's nobody that's been identified as a quote successor. Oh, so he's not. He's not like there seventy or anything. He's no, oh no, no, he's not doddering like Biden. Um, no, he, he's he's fairly vigorous. I would think I would think that he is now looking at trying to cement his legacy in the form of, of you know conquering or or maintaining control of Ukraine and establishing the buffer around Russia, and and he'll he and his people will will start assembling some candidates that they can they can prop up as. <coughs> Excuse me, as part of their party, who will then win the next kind of pony or, or forced uh, Russian election, popular election. Well, do you think that he would, uh, from what we've heard, real quick, uh, the uh, um, and I would I would expect his successor to look very much like him. 
Yeah, I would, I would say you're probably right, but I guess if you take it from his point of view, if, if we are going to encourage those guys to join NATO, he probably, in his mind, at least has a point. Well, I mean, from their perspective, um, you know, this the, the breakup of the Soviet Union was was in large part engineered by the West. The West has never stopped trying to to break up Russia and damage Russia. He said so this morning. Uh, he said this morning that in 1998 he had, he had double agents in the United States and, and in other Western countries that were telling him all about the Western plans to to basically uh, not only keep the Soviet Union isolated. But to the former Soviet Union, but to break up Russia and prevent Russia from from getting uh, getting powerful again, and that he's basically single handedly thwarted those those plans. Well, how, how, and that's a very powerful argument for a bunch of people that saw themselves go from number two power in the world and a peer of the United States to to a, a basically a lower level second world country. Yeah, they pretty much. All right, let's uh, talk about this next week. I'm the one who screwed up on Angelica. I, I told her I told her to call in later. But I messed up. I meant six thirty-five. I must have told her seven thirty-five, but she'll probably be calling in next week. But we'll, we'll get her. Uh, take care of yourself, buddy. Merry Christmas. We'll talk at you Merry next Christmas. week. SP Futures up sixteen. Nasdaq Futures up forty-three. Uh, be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Today's good on the board. SP Futures up 15. NASDAQ Futures up 37. Did you tell uh, 
Dan, that we have like a whole bunch of questions lined up for him here, like we, we're getting every week for the guy. Yeah, that's your job, <laughs> Hey, great. That, that's what I'm there for. Um, well, everybody wants to know how they're going to make a whole bunch of money if the Fed actually does what they say they're going to do, but we'll, we'll be there in a second. Um, like I say, SP futures up 15, NASDAQ futures up 38. We're, so that's, we're up, uh, we're, we're, what are we again? I said that we're up 160 points from, uh, noon and, and, uh, and Monday, which is really something. A uh, Dow up 120. Yeah. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 97.6%, FTSE up 10. Wow, they're only up 0.1%. They've come down some, so we just last did this. CAC round down t- up 25.3%. Over in Asia, well, these guys aren't going to change their clothes. Uh, NECAP 236.8%, Shanghai up 20.6%, Hang Seng up 91.4%. Uh, JD shares are down, we're asked Dan about that. We're also going to figure out why nobody cares about Evergrande in the other place anymore. Uh, strange world there. Just for way of review, yesterday Dow was up 261, S&P up 47, NASDAQ up 180. Today we got the bonds moving up a little bit. Two uh, basis points, I mean the bonds are going down. Ten-year yield is up to 1.48. The bond minus 0.25, that's actually a reasonable move there, four basis points. Japan uh, 0.07, so up one. Oil back up over, reasonably over 70 dollars, 72.98, up another 22 cents. Run up 24 cents, 75.53. Natural gas down 17, 380. And the best trade of the year, the year if you just shorted that thing over six, but boy, that, that would have taken some stones. Our Bob up two cents to 219. We've got gold up 350, 18.05. Silver unchanged, 22.82. Copper down two cents, 436. And last and maybe least, Bitcoin minus 201 to 48,800. Uh, Dave, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Uh, we're not on that right now, Tom. That's our 7.30 call. You're right. You're, yeah. off, the, you're off a little bit I'm today. today. It's okay. I'm, I'm it's okay. It's the eve of Christmas Eve. Yeah, you know what I did is I, is I gave Angelique the wrong time, and I'm feeling terrible about that. I told her 7.30, I meant 6.30. So it was not her fault. It was mine. So that happens. But I'll, you know, I guess I'll admit it. But we have Dan. Dan, how are you, buddy? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing all right, uh, except I'm discombobulated, obviously. I got told, you know, and I, and I really want her on with Lou. And I told them they can't start talking Russian because they both speak fluent Russian. Hey, uh, the questions are, even though the Fed, uh, has, it continues to say one thing and do another, um, I mean, last week they called it to say about fighting inflation and raising interest rates maybe next year. Then they proceeded to pour $90 billion on the balance sheet. So if you would have just foolishly said, wow, these rates are going to go up and like shorted the TLTs or, or, or shorted bonds or something, uh, you basically got your ass kicked right. again. Um, so the question is, uh, from a few of the, my clients and a couple of the listeners, what, what if you just said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, uh, you know, bother with these short term stick it where the sun don't shine moves out of the Fed. And I just am going to tell myself a year from now, these interest rates are going to be up. I just want a position that I can cash in next December. Uh, what would you do? Because my cause my my opinion has been, I don't like the, the short term stuff. And if we you know, if we, it looks like it's the rates are going up, and all of a sudden the Fed turns around and pours money in the system, and they run over us like a steamroller. That's happened to me a couple times. I really don't want it to happen again. Yet I do believe that a year from now, being short bonds is the position to be. What what would you do? Yeah, no, I I agree. I I would I would stay short, uh, especially longer term bonds. As well, because I think the whole when the you know if we do get a, an increase in um, March, which is the, the the latest talk that I've heard that they're you know the first uh, rate hike 
um, could start as soon as March, and hopefully it will. Um, if that's the case, the whole market goes up. I mean, the whole bond. I mean, yields go up across the across the curve. So it's not just short rates that are going to go go up here. And I guess I would stay away from the higher quality names in the short end. However, I would continue to look and invest in short term high yield because you do have um, sh- shorter duration, lower <coughs> lower um, duration than you would with any high grade uh, name. And we still have a strong economy. So if you look at what's happened this year, I think we're going to continue to see that into the next year, which is uh, the aggregate bond index for year-to-date for pretty much the whole year of 2021 has been down 5%. High yield index, however, has been up 5%. And I think if you stay on the short end um, of high yield, and that would be, under two years, but if you can find some good yield under five years, um, I think you're going to be okay. The, the reason I say that is that there is going to be, you are going to continue to benefit with the um, strength in the economy, um, and it's sort of a good hedge, if you will, because if the, um, you know, if the Fed does um, continue this sort of making promises and, and trying to stay, you know, they're, they're being reactive. And what we have to do as investors is just kind of look right through it and make our investments for the longer term. And so I would say, with that in mind, stick to the things we've been talking about over time. Short-term high yield is very good. Dividend paying stocks, you know, the higher ones. I particularly like utilities. Um, Black Hills Corporation was one of the names that I've mentioned, and it's up. It's BKH is the ticker on that one, and it's up really nicely um, since we made the original recommendation. It's pushing 70 at this point. Um, I would stay with REITs. We continue to like uh, South, S-E-L-F is the public storage REIT that we've mentioned, and that continues to track up. Preferreds, um, you know, they continue to track up. And again, these are these are some of the investments that will not be impacted by this sort of, um, you know, fed and fed, you know, I would call it volatility. <laughs> you know, the, the the you see that you see the um, stories come out and you see the concerns, and now they're saying, you know, well, maybe we're not going to have as much inflation and all that. And you really have to look to the longer term, and you have to look to those types of investments, like a few that I've just mentioned, that are not going to be impacted, and not think about an allocation. Stay away from an allocation to short term high-grade or treasuries or short-term agencies. Stay away from that. And also stay away from, from you know, anything high-grade at this point. So I don't think treasuries are a good buying here unless you're really going to watch the markets day-to-day. We haven't really seen a whole lot of change over the last few weeks, and I think that's what's going to continue to happen into the new year. I do think that the market has already um, built in or baked in the, you know, and increase sometime during the first part of next year. And I do think it is um, hopefully going to eventually become indifferent to the tapering because I think the tapering is going to happen. But it's, as you're saying, and I agree with you, that I think the Fed Fed has lost a lot of credibility. So you have to look for, you know, investments. You you can't look to them as the one who, you know, you can't try to play the Fed, if you will. Um, they're being reactive, and, and I don't think they've been following the, the right stats, especially I think the call on inflation they made was, uh, you know, early on was not good. Um, and I'm still, I still believe we're going to see inflation. 
um, into next year, and I think it still comes predominantly on the wage side, and that, again, is what's sticky. So that's what's going to happen, I think, during the year. And as a result, I think you have to look for those investments that will do well in that environment. I still like gold and silver um, as, as part of your portfolio. I'm not necessarily saying increase it, but if you're rebalancing, um, you know, continue to keep your full allocation there. And, um, again, on the fixed side, um, preferred utilities, dividend-paying stocks, um, short-term high-yield um, those would be the areas I'd say. And energy, I think, is going to have a good year. I mean, even in the last few days we're seeing, you know, today we're even seeing um, oil back up again. So it's a commodity, um, but I think energy as a whole is going to continue to do well into the new year. So if you're staying in bonds and you're staying in the energy sector, I think there's still some upside there. And the, uh, I mean, obviously, when they, when they get on, you listen to their, <laughs> you listen to their BS and they tell you how, you know, they're constantly looking at the, uh, labor or the, the full employment, low inflation mandate, uh, which you know it's such a load of crap. I can't even I can't even go there. But the uh, I know I, I actually agree with you. I, I I think it is as well. Well, my, I guess my question is is we, we I think you and I know, and I think most of our listeners know that maintaining the stock market bubble, if you were, or level, I'll just say level, is is now just as important as the other two. I guess my question to you is: Has it become more important. In other words, if if, if it, it, I, I think it's getting in the way of policy. Now, again, I don't want markets going down. I'm I'm happy as a clam this week, and we were longer than we've ever been, and we've had a great week. So I'm I'm really not unhappy that we didn't collapse this week. I'm very happy we right. didn't. But so I mean, I, I think you feel the same way. But I, but I also know that but but making federal policy towards the stock market is a zero sum game because absolutely and, and yet but I yeah. think now that that's where they're at and I don't know I don't know how they get out of that trick bag so that's well, why you know, know it's the same thing with oil prices trying to use you know policy I mean it's it's a commodity that's that's driven there's a lot of different factors that influence it and you can't say well gas prices are high so we're going to have to make these huge I mean there's certain cycles you go through that you just have to you can't uh, micromanage if you will that's just the, that's the way the, the way things work and so I I absolutely agree with you that you're stepping into Areas that are not your areas of specialty or, or even your areas of responsibility and, and trying to make decisions that I, that are going to impact, that could potentially impact, but I think more in the short run than in the long run. I think most sophisticated investors have confidence. I think consumer confidence is strong. I really think the virus, um, Omicron, I think in this case is a non-issue. Um, you're seeing, you know, people not really paying attention too much to um, some of the, you know, the government mandates that are coming down, um, when you see Carnival Cruise Lines and the cruise lines and the, and the, um, leisure, uh, stocks trading back up again. I think people realize that, uh, you have to be able to differentiate. You have to kind of sift through a lot of, of what is being said. And, um, as one of my friends said, you just have to shut it off at some point. You know, you have to have your own, your own decisions. And I think using your common sense is really what it comes down to. You know, the, the concern on the on the wage side that I have is that again, there's you know there's going to be too much control. There's too much. Um, we, if you want to do anything right now in this environment, you should be making and you should be giving incentives for people going back to work and not relying on a company to be having to pay more for for its new hires. But there should be incentives. Those incentives that are going to help get people back to work are going to be. Well, I think, yeah, so I think we, we we're we still can. in that phase where we need to get. There's still lots of jobs out there, and there's lots of people sitting on the sidelines, and that 
that disconnect, I think, has to happen. And I think it happens more through common sense than policy changes. I would agree with you. I have a, but I've had a, uh, was having a discussion with a client who will go nameless, but, uh, by the way, he loves listening to you. And, uh, and he was talking about, um, you know, well, the one I look at all the time is the TLT, the TLT is essentially, it's not, it's yeah. not really an ETF for, 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 uh, well, it's an ETF for over 20 year bonds. So on the securities side, it's essentially like trading somewhere in the middle of the 30 year bond and the 10 year, correct? So it, it, if you were to, if you were to say, uh, and it's trading, uh, uh, 149, and I, the way I calculate it, Dan, if we, if, if, if long term rates were to go from, uh, or to 10 year, which is now, uh, 1.45, if that went to 3, I think the TBT, or the TLT, sorry, goes to like 115 or something. I mean, it goes way down. I mean, it's, uh, because, I mean, you know, because, uh, and if it went to, went to six, I think it'd be under a hundred, right? I mean, it would, it's, it's a big deal. So, I mean, and the discussion was, and this is, and you know this, cause you talk to, I'm sure you have some clients that are pretty bright and so are mine. Uh, you know, my client is, and he's also a friend. I, I you know, he says, well, why don't we just get short this thing? And I'm like, first of all, and it's, it's hard to, Argue with somebody when you absolutely agree with them, <laughs> you know. But you know, but, yeah. but, but, but you're, you're but you're acting as you know you're 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 the expert here, and and, and you allegedly anyway. So the idea is, I, I don't know. It would seem easy enough to me to just short this damn thing, and, and somewhere the next year we're gonna we're gonna make out like a bandit. But every time it starts moving down, and you think finally the world's right. getting their head screwed on straight, and they're not gonna they're not gonna put up with this. Lending people money for ten years for 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 one point five when the when the inflation rates ten I mean that's the worst trade I've ever even conceived of in all my year that somehow this thing's going to start to move and it's going to gain momentum yet every single time I've done that Dan if I if I short it over one fifty and cover it immediately when it gets under one fifty I've made money every time the minute I pile on under one fifty and think well the world's starting to figure it out they're going your way and my way. It immediately turns around and shoves it right where the sun don't shine. It's like the, the, almost like the Fed's watching it as well, and they're not going to let it go down. You know, it's, uh, you know. I think my general comment back to you on that is is trying to, and as you're saying, like using policy, um, you know, I think gets in the way. You know, uh, confuses people, confuses most most investors um, as to which way to go. And 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 I think again, trying to stay middle of the road, and if the policy seems you know, confused, and I, I think the, the Build Back Better plan, for example, I've read through a lot of it to try to understand. I think there are a few things that are definitely going to help on the employment side, but I think there are a few things that are going to keep a lot more people at home still. So, I, you know, I think you have to really understand it, and then you're trying to get in the heads of the people that are making these decisions, you know, the politicians making these decisions. They really don't have a true understanding of, of you know, economics and the financial markets. And that's where it does get tricky. And, and, and I think the analogy that I'm going to use with that goes back to another question I think you were going to ask is with China and with the real estate market there. I would not invest in an, in an economy where I'm not sure about policy decisions and where there may not be a long history, say, in the high-yield market in particular, um, unless I really understood the culture and really understood the mindset. And I think that's an even harder one to get my arms around. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's hard enough right here in the U.S. to get yeah. our arms around the, where the policyholders are going, but then to even think about, 
you know, investing in China. Yes, when things trade down, there's always more room for upside. Yes, the recent sell-off that we saw, we did the same thing as you guys. We bought um, because we we do think there's strength. There's a certain amount of not paying attention to the noise, the day-to-day noise that has to happen when you're investing for the long long term because there's going to be um, these these news stories that are going to drive um, short-term results. But I think... You know, if you were to make a, a, you know, you were to try to make a call on interest rates, I would say there's probably a much better chance that we'll see higher rates on the short end. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I think we're going to get into trouble if we don't see them, if we don't start seeing some some increases and, and more tapering. I think there's going to be some longer-term side effects. But there's, I, I have to believe there's enough smart people out there to understand how the system works. Well, Dan, and, I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned really. You know this. I mean, I keep trying to I keep trying to draw you into the fight, and, I, and I've been doing better at that lately, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it, some of it has to do with, I mean, and, and you know, you know, we've talked, and uh, it, it's, you know, I love doing the show because it's amazing the similarities between the topics, with be it sports, be it COVID, be yes. it business, absolutely, it's because because people are behind all of the topics, right? Yes. I mean, so we're whether it's. Covid sports or whether and I and I know I read some article two two articles in the last week. One was they asked a guy about uh, the, the covid situation, and he said, "Well, at the end of the day, the real tragedy, well, except for the people that are dead or sick, that's the real tragedy." Uh, he says, "We've we've lost all confidence in our institutions. Nobody believes the CDC. Nobody believes any politician. They think they just are doing this for their own aggrandizement. Nobody thinks any of these people are honest, and it's going to take us." Like a really, really long time, and a whole new generation of leaders, both on both sides of the aisle, to come through. Because now it's like it's like every man for himself. And I, I read an article regarding uh, this Evergrande, um, and what was, what's the name of the other place? Begins with a D. I forget, forget the other place, but they're smaller than Evergrande. And it and it, it, it didn't it didn't talk about the Chinese investments or whatever. It said the reluctance, the idea last summer, and you were on the air. We talked about it. About how Evergrande might have a problem in the markets, basically getting its ass kicked, and now all of a sudden they're going under. And but the guy said the the institutions that we count on, the Barrons of the world, the S and P, they're they are so reluctant to downgrade these people. They're, yes. they're they're so worried about jostling the market, whether whether they're getting paid by the Chinese or not getting paid, or 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 BlackRock or somebody. I'm, I have no idea. BlackRock or somebody like that has massive investments over there, and the last thing they want to do is let everybody know they have investments over there. And they're starting to control the information, just like the politicians yeah. sort of are, just like the sports people are. I mean, it's, it's and it, to me, I mean, I, I start from the 10, and you and I have talked about this a hundred times. Anybody who invests 10 years at 1.8% when they're staring at an inflation rate in the face of 8%, it's such a horse bleep trade. No one yeah. we know would ever do that unless you're another, uh, if you're, unless you're the state of Illinois that has to invest in federal stuff or some insurance company that has a charter that says you have to. No one will do that trade. So, you and I keep thinking, we know it has to go back to equilibrium someday, some way, somehow. The question is how and why and what resistance is it going to make? Well, the same resistance in lowering the ratings of these Chinese places, I don't see one of these places being downgraded to you. I don't see anybody... Right, and I think you're right that there is an analogy here, and I think the analogy is also that there's... The you know, rating agencies are always known to be reactive. 
um, rather than proactive in terms of, you know, when you want, you know, when you make an investment, you want, you know, we're proactive, we're anticipating what's going to happen. And if you're making the call after it's happened, you know, and the, and the balance sheet looks like it should be in default or it should be a, a C-rated uh, company, you're really not adding a whole lot of value. You're just all you're doing is you're affirming where where it is at the time. What investors need to know, and they have to learn not to rely on the rating agencies for this. But what investors need to learn need to know is what's going to happen. And if the direction is downward, but the rating agency hasn't acted on it, you got to use your common sense and just say, "I'm going to stay away." Um, but you're but you're right, and I, I think you're also right with the. Um, when it comes to the, you know, what's going on with the Fed at this point. And again, that, that not being proactive, you know, being reactive, as you know, in investments, you don't make money that way. And it's, it's not the, it's also not necessarily the best thing for the, for the economy as a whole. I do think that being said, though, we have a lot of momentum going into the new year. And I thought December, you know, was going to be, I, there's a lot of window dressing. There's a lot of tax loss selling. There's a lot of profit taken. There's a lot of rebalancing. There's people who are concerned about the tax rate being higher retroactive to January 1st, possibly. We don't know if that will happen. But as a result, you know, I'm going to take this game now so I don't have to pay, be concerned about the capital. So anyways, there's a lot of that going on. That, I think, is what's draw, driven the volatility in, in um, the month of December more so than any of these other issues. I think that people are kind of giving up, as you're saying, losing credibility in, in the Fed, losing credibility in, say, the CDC, because you're not getting a consistent story. And maybe you can't get one. Maybe you have to wait until the data's out. But the data's, you know, once the data is out, then you can look back in hindsight and say, oh, yeah. But our job, I believe, as, as investors, is to anticipate what's going to happen and to try to weed through all of the noise and then also really looking at, I mean, what we do, which I think adds a lot of value, is talking directly to the management of these companies. Oh, absolutely. They've been absolutely. around for a long time. And in many cases, the management has a better picture on what's going on overseas, especially if they have, you know, revenues coming from overseas or a manufacturing facility. But management really is the one who drives all the decisions. And if they're forward-thinking and have a good vision and, you know, a strong belief in their, <coughs> in their business, um, and a, you know, a good um, culture in their organization. I think that's going to go a whole lot further um, than looking at sort of day-to-day movements. Dan, which leads me to my next uh, question, and this will be take a while here. It's maybe my final one, even though we have a few minutes. Um, you have mentioned anecdotally, not anecdotally, directly. Uh, you know, sort of a lot of like the people on TV. Economy strong. This is going good. We're growing. And I guess my question is, given the the wash of money into the system, how does anybody even know that? I mean, I'm going to give an example. Now, if, if Dan Janitas does what he does best and goes and talks to a manager, you're going to ask him, okay, your, your revenues are up 20%. By the way, Joe, did you just raise your prices 30% or are you actually selling more crap? You're going to, you're going to ask him that, okay? And, and that's why... People want you, A, on the show and to do business with you because you're smart enough to do that. But just in general, how do I even tell if these places, I'll give you an example. My nephew, um, his uh, wife's a school teacher, drives work every day, blah, blah, blah. And she's got an older car, I'll say a Honda, which it is. She loves it. It's pushing, you know, 160,000 miles, blah, blah, blah. And now she's just ready for a new one. And, uh, and you know, she deserves it. I mean, there's, there's 
Well, now they Absolutely. want they want they want four grand over list. All right, so now okay, so so say I don't know what these things cost. Say they can say they're thirty five grand. Okay, so instead of you getting it for thirty one on the list, you're now paying thirty nine. All right, so all right now if I if this handed dealer is this good or bad? <laughs> I guess his his revenue's up, but that's not positive for anything. I mean, in some places, are able to charge a hell of a lot more. This money is. I think it's. I think it's blowing through every number we look at, and every single one. I think we, you and I can't necessarily believe unless somebody like you goes to that particular company and say, "What's going on here? Are you actually selling more widgets, or you just raised the price?" I don't. I don't believe any of these. This 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 blank this blanket things are going good. I don't believe that at all. I think it's very very selective areas. Yes, selective yeah. areas. No, I, I those numbers don't tell me anything. Or but should they? Am I wrong? Or am I just being too cynical? No, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, going back to the car, car example, because I have a, a, a friend who's in the same situation, you're going back and forth, and, you know, at what point does it make sense to step in? And maybe you need to, you know, go to some, some dealerships in other parts of the state that might, you know, might, might have, you know, a couple of extra cars. It's the month of December. But, the, but, but you're right that the issue becomes then you hold on and you hold on. And, like, at what point do you know that it, it's going to be more permanent? And um, some of these companies are able to pass through the you know the higher raw material costs or you know um if it's you know whatever it is that they they have if you talk about um uh, semiconductors or any you know anything that where you've seen a price increase they've a lot of them have been able to pass it on and part of the reason they've been able to pass it on is because of this inflow of money that's come into the system because people now have still have money coming in because there are still benefits that they're receiving so a lot of people are, you know, we're value managers, so I'm always going to look for the best deal. But a lot of people really don't look at the price tax when they're buying. It's just this is the time that I need to buy. I'm going to buy it. Oh, by the way, it's a little bit higher, but but I need one right now, and I can afford it. And I think that last part is I can afford it. I think where that money was pumped in is that's what keeps inflation going. That's what keeps it going is that people have this, whether or not it's uh, it's the it's it's true, people are looking at their you know their own budget and they're saying you know i can afford a little bit more because i still have this income or i receive this ppp money or you know there's there's hope that we're gonna you know i made money in bitcoin i've made money in in um you know the market so yeah i'll spend a little bit more for a trip or a hotel or or um you know or a car at, at this point so so i think it's you know, I've always said live within your means. I think that's important. Once you start living outside of your means, I think then that, <laughs> then that creates problems. Um, you know, we wish, I wish we could have a course in, in elementary school teaching personal finance so people could understand that concept. But there is this, this idea that there's money in hand. I'm going to spend it. I think that's a large percentage of, of, um, of people and that, you know, you, you, you have, there has to be a certain point where that gets pulled back a little bit. Was that the way you feel? Um, that, or else we're going to continue to see inflation. Is that the, the out of control inflation if that happens? We, we have to dash, but is that the way you feel when you go out yacht shopping? I don't care what it costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to a boat club, so I pay for gas. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably not a bad idea. Take care of yourself, buddy. Happy holidays. Happy Merry happy Christmas. Holidays. And we'll talk to you next week. SPV is up 1275. Yes. SPV is up 27. Be right back.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, in North Bay, Stocks and Jocks, I'm Tim Howard, Mr. Dave Scatina on the board. SP Futures up 12, NASDAQ Futures up 28, Dow Futures up 90, they're up over 100. Dave, why don't you go to traffic weather sports? I already gave all the other stuff a little while ago, off schedule. Yeah, that's okay. Um, good morning, it's... uh. 734 in Chicago. Uh, currently, the weather is 34 and cloudy. We're going to have a high of 44 with some clouds. Phoenix listeners, start out the day 58 and cloudy. 75 with sunshine is going to be the high today. In traffic, traffic's pretty light, but there are a few accidents to report. Uh, Kennedy East at Armitage Avenue, we have one accident reported. Got an accident on the right shoulder at Route 53 in uh, US 12. And there is one more to report on uh, IDB Wells at Wabash. In sports, NFL tonight, 49ers play the Titans. Uh, Bears at Seattle on Sunday. Cardinals take on the Colts Saturday night. NBA Bulls game was postponed last night. 
Next game's on Sunday. Suns are at home against the Thunder. NCAA football bowls. Army beats Missouri 24-22 in the Armed Force Bowl. Two bowls tonight. Miami plays in North Texas and Florida plays UCF. NCAA basketball. ND beat Texas A&M CC 83-73. Illinois beat Miss 88-63. DePaul with a forfeit to Seton Hall due to COVID. NHL. I'll postpone until Sunday. Back to you, Chief. So, uh, John, how are you? I'm good. Um, the uh, So Army loses the big upset to Navy with everybody from Army like basically balling the stands, right, all in their dress outfits. And now they come back and they upset Missouri. It's been an interesting two weeks for Army. Actually, they were favored. They were favored last night? Yes, they were. Really? They're pretty. That's why when they lost the Navy, that was devastating. The Navy was what twenty point dogs or something or fifteen? No, Navy. I actually bet Navy. They were getting seven and a half. All right, I knew they were dogs. I thought they were more than that. So, David, this reminds me of you. I got an article here. Somebody sent me about Ben Hogan. Well, he's playing a practice round with a young pro. I can see you doing this. Hogan hits a shot from one hundred twenty-five yards away, and the guy says, "Great shot, Mister Hogan. What what did you use?" And Hogan, of course, walked down without even answering the guy. So later on, he hits a similar shot, and like the ninth hole, and he says, "Great shot! What did you would you use that time?" So Hogan doesn't say a word, dumps all these balls on the green, and from three wood down to his putter, knocks them all on the green from 125 yards. Says it doesn't matter what I use, play your own game. I'd love it, absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't matter what I use. You it matter it, it de- depends on the wind and everything else. What's the matter with you? Type of thing. So there. It would be nice to be able to play some golf, but not today, huh? Maybe tomorrow. It's supposed to be 55 degrees. Yeah, well, of course it stay open, don't they? My guys, uh... Oh, God, yeah. I've seen them play. Most of this week, guys have been playing. Wow. So, John, how are you? I'm good, Tom. And yourself? I'm doing all right, except I, I messed up the time with Angelica, so we got to do that well, next we'll week. Just wait till the, I look forward to hearing from her and her take on... Well, she's outraged, of course. She's outraged. I mean, it's like, you know... I said, why, why haven't you called in yet? Because I'm not due for another hour. I'm sleeping. I go, okay. <laughs> but she, she she's the best but she and Lou I mean uh it is interesting because I, I'd love to hear I was somewhat aware of what Lou was talking about in the history of the famines and stuff but boy Angelica don't don't call her Russian boy I mean it's uh, oh no I mean they, they are proud of all their religious and uh, linguistic differences ethnic differences they're fiercely proud as they should be yeah it's, um, she's a terrific lady I mean I, she was here and uh she you know she worked as a waitress and then went to a school for like three or four years what what do they call the people that they 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 proofread computer code they didn't even know there was such a thing but she was six days a week in this school for uh i'm gonna say at least two years maybe 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 three i mean uh saturday sunday i mean i think the only day off was like a wednesday i think she was i think they went to school on sunday now she got a job right away at uh, Abbott Labs, and uh, I'm not so sure I'd want to spend all day proofreading computer lines, but uh, I guess somebody's got to do it. And, uh, it takes a certain kind of person. I'm not one of them. I, yeah, personality-wise, I'm not so sure that's her either. It just all that works out. But uh, anywho, so uh, this uh, what do you, this weekend we got people canceling Christmas parties and all kinds of crazy stuff, Jan. It's almost like last year, huh? Oh man, you know, it's the same litany. You know, remember. Uh, you know, the Illinois health director last year saying, you know, if, if you go to a Christmas dinner with your, you know, 
of vaccinated friends you'll be going to their funeral two weeks later it's like oh come on you know, yeah. and now we got you know Tedros of the World Health Organization saying that, you know ban people not vaccinated from your Christmas dinners this year so that you won't grieve later I mean they, they really have to change the tape Tom I, oh, I, don't, I don't think this is playing anymore if it ever played and they're making themselves look even less credible than they think they are <laughs> well the, the, it seems to me that the the population, especially the young population, is, is is they're over this. I mean, they're not. Oh, yeah. They're not paying attention to any of this stuff. Although in New York, I guess they are carding people, and they're going to try and start carding people here. I, I'm not so sure I'm up for that. But I, I wonder how. I, I I can't imagine turning somebody away, somebody's six year old, because they don't have a vaccine card. Uh, you know, maybe it'll happen. I don't know, but I think I think they're going to have to back off on that. I. I mean, I don't know, forcing somebody to have vaccines for their kids, I wouldn't want to be in that. In that it's it's doubting to me when you when you listen to, you know, Lightfoot's address, and this goes for, you know, you know the mayor of Boston, and, you know, the governor of New York, all these people who, who within hours of each other have pretty much sent out the same press release. Um, and they talk in such obvious ways about, you know, extortion-type tactics and, and gangsterism. Uh, we have to make life as unpleasant as possible for the people who aren't behind us here. I mean, this is what you, you would do if you were trying to, you know, clear the field for your beer business on the south side back in the phone days. You, know, you threaten to break up their operation, you know, destroy their families, to take them down, whatever. Make make their lives impossible to live. So when, when the government starts talking like gangsters, you have to believe that, well, they are gangsters. <laughs> you know, this kind of gangsterism has never sat well with me and I tried to avoid contact with it you know as, as did my family and you tried not to do business with gangsters you know at all costs but you know now when you got the, the government speaking this way what kind of respect do they think they can command anymore what uh Jenna was a well you know the group I kind of uh, once in a while uh, have an adult beverage with on Wednesday night it's composed of, uh, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm the youngest guy there, right? So you can tell you right out of the gate what it's all about. But, uh, there's several judges, a bunch of older attorneys and other people, and they, 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 they know everybody, right? So, and, and, and it's, and it's not a vindictive group. It's not at all political. I mean, not at all political. I mean, it's strange. I mean, there's never a political argument at all. Uh, but everybody is so involved in politics, but on a totally different level. They, they, they know who, all the people are we're talking about, and I, it, the the theme that I've learned from uh, these guys, which is sort of different than other people. I mean, there's people who, you know, absolutely can't stand the mayor, and they can't stand uh, um, what's her name, uh, Kim Fox, and and uh, the theme I get from these guys is that, and they've known these people their whole life uh, or their whole political life. I said they're not bad people. They're not at all trying to do the wrong thing. Uh, they're just totally over their head. And, 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 and uh, I mean, and it brings back the, la- the last thing young people need, because there's been young people, for God's sake, Alexander the Great, what conquered half the world before he was 21, right? So it's not like you can't be good at something when you're younger. But yet there's also some sort of a, Alexander the Great didn't start out as the Great. <laughs> he started out probably taking orders from somebody and learn on his way up, even if it was a, a short, yeah, a short trip for him. But he learned faster than the next guy. Let's put it that way. But I, I, I get all that part. But by the same token, we continue to we we have a this mindset now 
that that people who are in, in these positions, they can just be regular. You know, they can come out of shouldn't say this. You know, they could they could come out of a trailer park with the wife beater shirt on and a beer, and all of a sudden be president the next day. Like, I guess you could be the president, but you're not going to be a very. There's a certain that person I'm talking about might be a welder and be very good at it, and I have no business welding, and he does. So, so I mean, there, there's there's some sort of a, a a process of which people you don't just fall into the mayor's job, you don't just fall into the president's job. There, there's some sort of a you you would think that there, there there's there's a skill set you need along the way that's hard to get. Especially in this day and age, I'm, I'm going to say in our parents' generation, when, when you know when a guy like Howard Cosell was managing twenty thousand people making landing craft in New York Harbor at age twenty two or twenty three or the hell he was, I'm going to say if Howard Cosell was the chairman of a company, whether you liked him or not, at age thirty after going to law school and stuff, I'm not going to say he's too young, really. Look, look, look at the with the with the life experiences that he had. Now, somebody who you know, spends eight years in college and screws around, and all of a sudden they're thirty. I wouldn't put them as the chairman of a company, would you? Even though they're both thirty. I mean, there's there's you people that, are, least, yeah. you know, there's people that, and, and I and I think we don't have anywhere near the respect for what it takes to actually do these jobs. If ever, if every, uh, you know, if every if ever you want to read something, it's got to still be in print. Uh, there's a book called A Man Called Intrepid. And uh, was it's about Bill Stevenson, who was the head of the British Secret Service, basically before the war and during the war. It was the uh, he he essentially was Q, right? In the Bond movies, matter of fact, for back of a better term, he was Q. Uh, and and one of the and Ian Fleming was one of his chief lieutenants, believe it or not. He was he, Ian Fleming was in the British Secret Service, high up, uh, who wrote the Bond novels. So Q was the main man. I, I don't know that there was a money penny necessarily, but <laughs> but uh, but he and, and you know and here, here was a guy. But he had his his and previously the guy was like a world class mathematician. He was a light heavyweight boxing champ. He was one of the in, the co inventors of television. I mean, the man's resume read like and and during the war they said all oh, the reports that hit his desk. He read the equivalent and under and could understand the equivalent of a Victorian novel every day. Now, we don't have anybody like like that in any of these jobs that I see. Do you? I mean, I mean, we're not even close. Uh, you know, Maybe in the 39th Ward Sanitation Department. Tom, who knows? There yeah, some, there might be. Well, I'll tell you what, if there is a guy, we don't know about. Him. I'm not saying there isn't. There, right. there might be somewhere, but it, he doesn't go around or she doesn't go around bragging about it. Either. Plus, he's also not running for office, right? Which is unfortunate. So. You know, so I'm saying, you know, when you put these people in the, you, you can't, you can't put, you know, uh, me in as quarterback of the Bears and expect if we call the right plays, I'm going to blossom into Johnny Unitas. Guess what? I'm not. You know, uh, so I, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're seeing now, I think, is is having people in place. I, I don't know that that Fauci should have had that job for 40 years. How about, how about you know, 40 days? Yeah, well, really? I'm saying, I mean, how do these people... He's the last person I would go to if I had any kind of an ache or pain. And, you know, if you had him as your family physician, you would have fired him 20 years ago because he's, he's, he's too much of a bureaucrat and he, he never sees patients. So what what what, uh, what use is this guy as a practicing physician? And now we have to listen to every word he says as it is gospel, about the stuff he really has completely sacrificed all his credibility about. But what, how do you get rid of him, Tom? 
you can't get rid of them. But just but just in general, the bureaucracy. One of the uh, Audrey's cousin. He's a hit, well, a lot of friends. He's a does the he's the guy I talk about that has the used car place. Used to have the big Oldsmobile dealership. Told Oldsmobile went out of business. Um, but he has friends that are uh, that are that are neighbors. Well, they're neighbors and friends. And uh, that's where the guy was telling me how they they had the uh, uh, well the three kids. One was in high school, like a freshman. One was in middle school, which is what seventh and eighth grade, I guess. And the other one was in grammar school. And the kids are like four years, four, they're, you know, two years apart. So and the, and the schools are like four blocks apart. So at one point, uh, there were two kids with COVID in the grammar school in one class, which there's, there's actually in Homer Glenn, there, there's somebody who's the, uh, whatever, it's the, the medical person for, for Homer Glenn, or that count, must be that county, whatever county that is, it can't be for Homer Glenn. It's, it's uh, well, it could be Homer Glenn Township. And maybe, but whatever, whatever, there's somebody there, and, uh, so they, they call it an outbreak because the two kids were in the one class. So they send everybody home. All right, so then in one place, they're going two days a week. So they got, they got, uh, Zoom learning in one place, totally, half Zoom learning in another place. In the third place, uh, they're going every day. And the guy says to me, you know, I don't know who's right. They're all sitting around my table and they're all in the same living room. This makes no sense. I mean, he goes, we're all coming home to the same place. They gotta be someplace. All three of them, but you know, one school's really afraid, another one's not so afraid, one's in the middle. He goes, they're all sitting in my living room watching TV. He goes, this is insane. Don't, don't they know that they're all coming home to the same house? Well, they, they don't care about that. But I guess... This the, is just meat for the, for the teachers' unions. You know, well, that could be, but, you know, I, they, they could very well be. But, it, but then you go to yourself, who, who gets to be the medical officer in, in Will County? I mean, first of all, how do you get, how do you, how do you, does that mean you're the chief of surgery at, at Silver Cross? Does that mean you're, you're somebody that nobody else wants to hire? I mean, what is it? What, you're, you're a buddy at a mayor? I, or, I, I, you know, I have no idea. I mean, what, what, what is, what is the resume for somebody who all of a sudden is making these decisions where you drag these people out of, uh, you know, it's you know, it's like this, the city. If you have, if we had a hurricane, we have to pull out our our, our city hurricane specials. Well, who's this guy? <laughs> Where'd they come from? We, we never had a hurricane before. You know, what makes them an expert? You know, Alison Arwadi, um, you know, the Chicago Health Commissioner. I mean, she has a, a good resume on paper, but she, you know, it was a you know a pediatrician in private practice. And probably a personal friend of Lori Lightfoot's, or a personal friend of somebody's, or otherwise she wouldn't have this job. Because you can't tell me that she really has any kind of, you know, piece of her resume that would, you know, explain her rise to this kind of power in so short a time. And and she just now, you know, writes diktats to everybody, and everybody has to follow them. And you can find this all across the country. The people with, I wouldn't say undistinguished backgrounds, but backgrounds that don't explain why they're sitting in the jobs they have and you, you've got to believe it's, it's political just like like everything else they've, they've decided well I, I you know i've been asked to do this job by somebody or some group of people i'm the designate and by the way here's the script i have to read every day too because these people do not have enough imagination or curiosity or research skills to do this stuff on their own they are just parroting what other people tell them to do. Yet somewhere, Jan... Lightfoot is, I think, in the same boat, in a way. I mean, she, she's you know, smarter maybe than a lot of people, but she certainly learned how to take orders from somebody somewhere. 
because she couldn't say the same things that people all over the country as mayors are saying unless it's coordinated. And, and to me, that that just shows you got a lot of people who are sitting in, in city halls, various places, whose main skill is just being somebody else's schlub, taking orders and following everybody's talking points and re- repeating the same stuff over and over. Well, again. she did the same thing with this this thing as the guy's doing in New York. Same right. same damn thing. It, it, but you know, but the weird part is, and you can't. I mean, I, I generalized, and then you generalize, and you have to be careful because someplace, somewhere, it might be the person here in Chicago. It might be the, I think it's a lady in Will County, I'm not sure. It, it could be somebody in McKenna. There could be somebody in that job, even though you wonder why they got the job, that the minute they saw something like this happen, did all the research they possibly could themselves, interviewed as many people as they could, and actually has done absolutely their best to do the best job and has been researching 10 hours a day for the last year and a half trying to stay ahead of it. And, and, but we'll never know who that person is until the, until we find out. And then and, and the, the person who actually does it will never get any credit. Well, and you won't find them. And you won't find them. If, they, if they've been saying these things publicly, they have been deplatformed on Twitter and ri- ridiculed like Fauci and, and um, who's the other clown? Collins. You know, went after the people who wrote the, the Great Barrington Statement about, you know, herd immunity is what we should be striving for and they, they just did a smear campaign on them so it's, it's a power struggle and and the people who really do put in the hours and have a true scientific bent to them are going to be humiliated and discredited if they try to go public with this you know, look at the squad Tom you know the, all the, the hoopla about these people like Ocasio-Cortez and Ayanna Presley and you know, Rashida Tlaib they, they all come out of a think tank called the Justice Democrats Marie Newman in Illinois is the same. These people are not what you would call, you know, designated to hold public office from the get-go. I mean, their, their backgrounds are are pretty much all the same, and none of them speak to the kind of jobs they have now. But they were chosen, and they were given a job to do, and they follow it slavishly. And you can look on the Justice Democrats' website, and you can you can just see why these people say what they do. There isn't an independent thought going on in any of those people's heads. They are pretty much controlled. The, re- the reason they have a job at all is because they've spotted this stuff. And you have to believe at some point it's, it's the Lori Lightfoot's and the well, Jan, boxes and the is, you should, who are similarly controlled. You should, you should like, t- who knows who? You know, you, you could you could come up with some theories. Yeah, but you should but, if you if you actually believe that, which I think you do, um, you should take heart and 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 stand down and not worry about it. The reason why I say that is nobody believed more than what they were what they were doing when when they got elected was the Tea Party. And how long did it take before they were totally co-opted? Oh yeah, but they were very open about who they were. The Justice Democrats are completely under the radar. Right, they but I'm saying never heard of them. But, they, but the, the the gang gets to Washington. In, in my read of this, which really is boy, it's dangerous if I'm right. And I, I get this from our buddy Carl. What happened to his buddy when he when he got elected? I, I got this this odd feeling. No matter who you are, and, and this is the same feeling I had when. Buddy of mine and I ran for the board of the CBOE and, and won from the outside, which nobody had ever done. And you get in there and you get this feeling <laughs> that when when you when you walked in, somebody like just farted or something. <laughs> like who are these two guys? We never had two. They they didn't want to even like look at us or anything because they were, they were afraid that we'd actually might you know some do something different or people might find out what actually went on in there. I mean, it was a weird. 
the first meeting, Jan, I can't even tell you the, the feelings on the back of your neck when you're looking at these guys giving you sideways glances and stuff. It was, it was the weirdest darn thing. But, but I, somehow along the line, the AOCs and those people in the world, there, there's going to come this, there appears to be, again, this is my cynical, in some ways, Jan, I'm going to get more cynical than you, uh, I, it, there appears to be somewhere between the, the third and fourth, maybe fifth, probably third and fourth tour in the house where you either jump over and pile into the money side and the co-opted side, which other than bleeding to the press about how you still believe your old stuff and fighting with the other side, you really are into this, I'm making money from everybody and and I'm I'm on the I'm on the the, the dole of Pfizer and God knows who else, and it doesn't really matter what side you are on, and I, I, I know this is a but I, I see, I used to go to these, uh, well, I was invited to the, uh, the, the Jew, what's the Jewish, uh, APAC, American Israeli uh, Political Action Committee or whatever it is. And, uh, these guys, whether, whether you agree with it or not, um, everywhere you go, when you listen to people talk, even if you don't like, I, I don't, it's not like I don't like the politics. I mean, I understand those guys lobby a lot for Israel and why. Uh, but you, you understand a lot about, you learn things. And, and the one, it's the first time I picked up on it, Jen. And the guy up there, he's giving a speech and he goes, read the newspapers, listen to the news, and all you hear about is there's no turnover in Congress. And the guy goes, that's the biggest bunch of bullshit there is. He says, there's more turnover than there's ever been, especially in the first few terms. He goes, there's a, there's a spot here in Illinois where there's been four different people in that spot in the last, in the last four elections. He goes, that never used to happen. He goes, these people get in there, they get disgusted. After a couple of terms, they quit. Somebody else comes in. He goes, it's, it's never been like this. The idea, because you look at the top ten people that are there forever, don't assume there's no turnover. So I, th- I think what's happening, Jan, is that whatever side they get in there, they either really get co-opted or they get so damn frustrated they quit. Now, I don't know if you, if you think I'm anywhere, anywhere in my head screwing on Well, they definitely, yes. I mean, there is certainly a, a then the group is co-opted becomes pretty much indestructible. They'll get all the money they need to get reelected as long as they don't go off the reservation and say and do what they're supposed to. And anybody else who doesn't have that kind of control behind them is going to become disillusioned and disgusted pretty fast. But you know, this this then becomes the revolving door of the honest and the people who control control everything and the appointments and the agenda. Are stuck there forever, and you can't pry them out. That's and right. You don't have a media. That's exactly my point. Out on any of this stuff. So they're there for the long haul, and if not those people, somebody else equally pliable and corrupted. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, it splits it into the you know the credible and the and the incredible, but the incredible are the ones kind of calling the shots. So. Well, I mean, the the AOCs of the world. By the way. I did like her, the look of her in that dress. Just saying, uh, the AOCs of the world. If she's there five, five terms, I don't, I don't know that you're gonna, you won't notice her difference from a tea party there five years. They're all in on the doll, and you won't even know they're there. They're either they're in or they're not. Yeah, well, that would be great if it's just a wash. You know, I, I can tolerate some of these obnoxious people for the short term, but when they become the, the standard bearers and the, and, you know, the, the approved version of what we're looking for, forget it. I, I would tell you the young John Flanning would be happy to buy her a drink and hope you could turn her to the from the dark side. <laughs> how, how dumb do you think I am? <laughs> what, it, I tell you what, it'd be it'd be worth the evening. I, I, I'd pop for a couple of cocktails. 
I bet you, I bet she's bright as all get out, and she's, she's certainly attractive. And plus, you can always say you had a date with AOC. Well, she carries a mean tray, I think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, whatever. Every everybody has a skill set. What can I say? John, have a nice Christmas, buddy. SP Futures up eleven. Nasdaq up twenty-three. Uh, we think we're back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. <laughs> what do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I'm no either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 